last week we started uh, our Advent series, and, and uh, for some of you um, that maybe come consistently or uh, are familiar with Advent, you're like, all right, awesome, we're, we're getting ready, you know, for the birth of Christ, uh, but maybe you are here and, and, and you're like, I don't know what Advent means, uh, you know, is it that Lego set that I've seen sold, like what, what is that, you know, and, and so... Um, for history, really, the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming or arrival. And Advent in the 4th and 5th centuries was a time of preparation for uh, the baptism of new Christians. So Christians in those days would take 40 days uh, and, and spend those days in prayer and fasting, um, preparing for the celebration of these new Jesus followers. Over time, Advent, though, became connected with the coming of Christ. And originally, Christians used this term to reference uh, the second coming, when Christ comes back, but by the Middle Ages, Advent was connected to Christ's first coming, which we celebrate on Christmas. And so today, as Jesus followers around the world, we celebrate Advent over the four weeks leading up to Christmas each and every year. And not only is the Christian meaning uh, to be focused only on the preparation and the celebration of the coming of Jesus, but also the anticipation of his return. And so this Advent season, that, that's the invitation we have. This morning is to is to focus our thoughts and our minds and our hearts on the gift of God that Jesus is to each and every one of us. And so last week, as we kicked off this this series, uh, we looked at the promises, right? The, the 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 prophecies connected to this this promise, this this hope uh, that that the people were to have about this coming Messiah, this coming Savior. And so we looked at uh, prophecies in Scripture written hundreds of years before the arrival of Jesus, talking about what he was going to be like, who he is, and, 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 and even like the, the lineage uh, that he was going to come from. And so we were looking at those things, and, and, and ultimately we had to come away with the question of what are we placing our hope in? Because for the people uh, that, that we're looking at, their lives, these Jewish kids were growing up being told about this Messiah, this Savior that's going to come and rescue all of humanity. And so as they grow up, they're told, hey, listen, you obey the law, but just so you know, you're never going to be perfect at the law uh, because the law is actually designed to show you that you could never be good enough because you're going to need a Savior. And God's word tells us that there's going to be a Savior. And this is what he's going to be like. So they grow up hoping in that, right? Anticipating that uh, arrival. And so hopefully last week we asked that question, what is my hope resting in right now? What is it, what is it resting in? Today, when I, when I talk, what I want to talk about is our preparation for the Messiah. The preparation. What does it look like to prepare to, to, to anticipate the arrival of our Savior? Now, when you look back at prophecies, and, and it's, it's remarkable, if you look back in the Old Testament, once again, prophecies written hundreds of years before Jesus would come onto the scene, but you see uh, specifically some 
prophecies talk about this, this person, it's called this forerunner, who would come before Jesus, who would, would point the people, he would talk about Jesus, and then point people to him. Uh, we read about that in, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And then in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, it says, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So there's going to be this messenger. There's going to be this one that goes before uh, the Savior, and he's going to prepare the way, right? He's going to pave the road for Jesus. And it's interesting, the Gospel of Luke, that's how it kicks off. The Gospel of Luke, when, when you read that and you look at chapter one, an angel appears to this priest who's advanced in age, he and his wife, beyond childbearing time, and an angel appears to Zechariah's priest and says, listen, you're gonna have a child and your child is going to be that child. Your child's gonna be the forerunner. Your child is going to be the one that the prophet spoke about that would be the, 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 the person to prepare the way for Jesus. And they're blown away. They're like, how? How could this be? They're so amazed by it, they laugh. And so God's like, you're not gonna talk till he's born. And, and, and so we know him as who? John the Baptist. Okay, so, so here we are, we're picking up, and the people, they've been told to look and to anticipate and to be ready for this, this Messiah, right? To, to look for him, to place their hope in that reality, that promise. And so they should be like urgently trying to identify who the Savior is. And, and, and then prophecy continues to, to come to fruition, John the Baptist is there and here he is preaching and delivering this message about who Jesus is. And so everything is lined up, right? Jesus has come on the scene. There's the forerunner. And, and John the Baptist was an interesting guy. So it wasn't like people didn't know who he was. He had earned a reputation, right? And so he's out there. Crowds were coming to hear him. And so everything's lined up, right? Everything is perfect. And Jesus has arrived. And this is what we read uh, when it comes to the people's response. In John chapter one, see, there you go. Verse six, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. But he said, Jesus. There you go. All five of you are awake. Great. Um, he's the true light, okay? So the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet, the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Okay, so everything happened, just as the prophecy said. But what, what's the response of the people? What's the response? The people didn't recognize him, and they didn't receive him. 
the very people who should have been desperately looking for him, desperately waiting for his arrival. And so you read that and you go, what happened? Right? Like, what happened? And I think one thing, you know, that, that, that happened, you guys, is, is we're talking hundreds of years of anticipation. And it's interesting how time has a way of stealing our urgency, doesn't it? Like you think of certain things, maybe that you were passionate about for a season, you had urgency to uh, accomplish or do, and, and, and you look back and you go, man, what happened? Like I was so passionate about that. I cared so deeply about that or, or achieving that. And you look back and maybe there's not something specific that you go, well, this happened or that happened. Maybe it was just time because time has a way of robbing us of our urgency. But, but here's what we really see happen. Over time, people took what the prophets had written, what the prophets had said, who the Messiah, the Savior would be, and over time, they had taken that and turned it and twisted what was written and turned it in such a way to where what they were looking for was the Messiah they wanted, not the Messiah that Scripture told them about. See, what what they wanted was what? They wanted a political savior. That's what they wanted. So they took prophecy and over time and and, and over all of these years, and and, and let's give them some grace, you guys, because they, you know, we, we complain about our politics. Oh my goodness, like Rome? Some of you haven't studied history. You're like, oh, Rome was cool. Like, it was so awesome. I watched the movie Gladiator. Like, no. Rome was awful, okay? Uh, awful, okay? So, so they've got Rome they're dealing with, right? They're, 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 they're essentially enslaved to Rome, and then they've got this puppet king that Rome has allowed there who is beyond awful. His name's Herod. And, and, and so over time, right? They're, they're, and, and, and like I said, sometimes I'm, I'm harsh, but, but I need to be more gracious because I see my own heart sometimes when it comes to politics. And, and for them, they are beat. They are, they are hurt. They are wounded. They are disappointment, disappointment. This will be the leader. This will be the one. And slow over time, the Savior no longer is the Savior of the world, the Savior of my sins. This is now the rescuer of my political bondage. Just set me free from this, right? And so, and so they took the very words of God, the prophecy, and they, and they twisted it over time to align with what they wanted, the type of rescue that they wanted to have and experience, And so what Advent does for us, you guys, is Advent gives us a chance to reflect and and, and go, man, how did they miss it? Like, what happened there, right? And and so we get to um, go through that, and, and, and we get to ask, what are we today doing differently from what they were doing, or are we falling into the same traps? Because... Remember, we looked at this last week. Jesus said what? As he was leaving, hey, I'm coming back. I'm going to come back. And when he's saying, I'm coming back, you know what he's really saying? Hey, you missed it the first time. Here's your second chance, right? I'm coming back. You clearly missed that ship. I will be back. Get ready. 
And so we get to hold on to those words and we get to look at the example of people that missed it the first time and go, okay, so what are we doing? Um, have you ever overslept before a flight? Yeah. <laughs> or, or a big meeting or somewhere you had to be. And it was maybe early morning. And it, it's so interesting how when you oversleep, uh, it, it, it's such a dramatic shift of emotions, isn't it? Because when you wake up, you actually feel rested for a minute, right? Like for a couple seconds, you're like, oh. But then after like two, three, four seconds, this thought comes out of nowhere. And the thought is, but you shouldn't feel rested right now, right? Something's wrong because you're not supposed to be feeling this way. And then you realize where you're supposed to be and where you're not, right? And, and, you, and you freak out, okay? So, but when you've done that one time, how do you prepare to wake up the next time? Man, you add alarms, you change ringtones, you reposition alarms in your room, right? Like, especially if it's like your phone and you're like, you like get up out of bed and you put it way over on that corner of the room and your spouse is like, what are you doing? It's okay, don't worry about it. But you need to help me wake up, okay? Like, you're doing everything you can, right, to make sure you wake up. Whatever changes are necessary. And so for us, we get to ask, what are the changes that need to be made? As we prepare our hearts, as we wait in anticipation for the return of Jesus. Because that is such an important, such an important truth for us. Okay, if, you, if, you, if you don't know the reality that Jesus, yes, he came at Christmas in the flesh, but, but the fact that he went back to the Father and then he's coming again to get us, oh my goodness, I hope your mind is blown right now because that is incredible. That's what we look towards as Jesus followers. So, so what are we doing? How do we wait with anticipation, right, for uh, the, the coming of Christ? In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. In chapter 3 of 2 Peter, is all about anticipating the return. It says, this is now the second time that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Okay, so, so the very first thing that, that we need to hear is you need to remember. You need to remember. And, 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 we, and we not only need to remember ourselves, but we need to remind each other that he's coming back, right? Like that needs to be uh, something that, that we talk about, something that is at the forefront of our minds. When you, when you look at the Old Testament and you see uh, the nation of Israel over and over again, as they move along and, and you follow along, you see uh, pauses where God will, will, will challenge them through prophet and say, do you remember? Do you remember what you've been brought out of? Do you remember what happened there? And not only that, you see literally these celebrations, these festivals put in place to help them what? Remember, right? Altars being built. Remember, 
okay, over and over. And yet, what did they keep doing? They kept forgetting. And so for us, what what are we going to do? We have to get ourselves to the place where we are daily reminding ourselves to remember that he's coming back. Okay, so so this is something that, that as a follower of Jesus, it should be at the forefront of my mind. Okay, it, it should be in conversations uh, that I have. It should be, it should be things that, that we talk about, things that we talk about here in church settings. It should be talked about in your community group. It should be talked about in your times of prayer. When you're talking to the Lord, uh, you should be bringing up, hey, you're coming back, right? It should be uh, prominent in your devotional life. When you read scripture, when you ask, how do I apply this? It should all be through the lens of he's coming back. And so there is to be urgency with this reminder, right? This isn't just like this thought like, well, he is going to come back at some point. We'll see. Could be my lifetime. I don't know. No, there's there's urgency that is to accompany this. Jesus alluded to this over and over again when he was talking about, I'm coming back. In fact, in in Matthew 24, verses 42 through 44, look at what he says. He says, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And in 25, the very next chapter, he continues with that thought. And so just just imagine this for a moment, right? Imagine if I said, hey, I don't know when, but someone is going to try to break into your house. Now, how are you going to respond to that? Some of you are going to, good luck, right? (laughs) I've been praying for that too, right? So some of you are a little different on that end, okay? But what would we do, right? Like, 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 if you told me that, I'm going to go home and I'm like, okay, honey, we got to make some changes around here, right? And I'm going to be alert. I'm going to be thinking about it. There's no way I'm not going to be thinking about it. And then I'm, I'm going to make these changes, right? That, that I'm, I'm going to prepare for what could happen here. And, 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 so, and so that's what Jesus is talking about. He's like, listen, I'm going to come back. Nobody knows when, right? So every time someone says, I know when, just say, no, you know, Okay. The angels don't even know, right? So nobody knows when, but he says it's going to come and it's going to be, it's going to be a surprise and, 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 and you need to be ready, right? So, so for me, I'm like, okay, so, so I need to have this mindset that it could be at any point in time, am I ready for that? And then, and then what are the things that I need to be doing in my life to prepare for that? Because knowing is one thing, preparing is another, Right? And here's what we need to do first and foremost. We have to urgently get our lives into alignment with his calling and his mission for your life. You've got to get things right in your life. And, and, and if you're confused, you've got to get some clarity, right? You don't just continue in the state of 
confusion, you address the things in your life that need to be addressed with urgency so that you are prepared, right? In, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, it says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, right? So, so he literally is, is, is saying, be diligent in this time. Be diligent. Don't just sit there. Be diligent to be found by him ready, right? Ready. My life is, is ready by how I live. In fact, in 1 John 2, 28, it says, and now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Okay, so, so, so there, is, there is this application piece to, to how I live my life today with urgency, right? Because if he's coming back, for some of us, we, we are, we are, we're living with urgency, with passion. We're pursuing him right now, and we're like, oh, oh, I pray he comes right now. I am so ready for him to come back. But then there's others of us who are like, boy, I kind of, I, I want him to come back. I'm on team Jesus, but I'm not really ready. Right? Like, ah, there's a few things here, a few things there. I'd like to get that done. I'd like to talk to them and that. And so I, I kind of hope he doesn't come back just yet. Right? And, and so there's two different postures there. And, and, and what they're saying is get your life right, get your heart right with urgency so that you're excited and you're prepared. And when God comes back, you are confident. See, here's the reality. Often we hear this and we go, you know, there's some changes I need to make. I, I should probably do that. And we kind of, and, and kind of in this like, I don't know, convenient way, we start to make just some subtle shifts in our lives. And I just feel like, man, we're just missing this urgency that it's calling us to. See, the reality is, is, is we're not going to get this, this voice from heaven for all of us. It's just going to say, listen, all of you, you now have one more year. Good luck, right? Like, no, that's not going to happen. We're not going to get that. And I think what's concerning is to think about what if that, what if that happened, what would we do differently, Right? I think that's a, that's a question that we should be considering. And so there, there is this diligence, there is this urgency that we're called to have. And, and man, everything for me changed. Like, because sometimes we need to have reminders of the urgency that we're called to live with, right? Because we take so many things for granted, including time. And I, I think of my own life. Everything for me changed in 2007 when I lost my best friend. And he didn't know Jesus. In every, every part of my life, my ministry, everything changed from that moment on. And, and, and my prayer is always, God, I pray that I don't need an event like that to create the urgency that I'm called to daily live with. I pray that it's not an event like that that goes, hey, you should probably, your life doesn't look like what you say you believe. 
I pray that it's not an event like that that gets me to go, oh, I need to address this now. I pray that it's not an event like that that, that that finally gets me to, oh, I should probably share about the hope that lies within me. I should probably address this thing that is so against what God's calling me to. I should probably do that. Like we have to wake up daily with this urgency and this reminder, and we have to do a better job of identifying the things that are holding us back from living with this urgency, Right? Once again, we, we just kind of fall in line to what everybody else is doing and rarely, and, and I'm right here with you, rarely do I ever just pull back and pause and go, wait, what is actually pulling, uh, pulling me away from living with urgency? What is distracting me from my purpose? What is, is causing me to actually neglect this, this, this purpose, this reminder that Christ is coming back? What's causing that? Because I'm not talking about it anymore. I'm not talking about it with my friends, with my family, in my, in my, my prayer life, in my devotional life. It just seems so distant. And so what is causing me to miss it? Because if I'm not proactive in evaluating what it is, you guys, I fall into the same trap. And then there we are again. He's here, he's fulfilled everything, and we're missing it. And guys, man, when I look at right now, and I look at like, man, if I could boil it down to a couple things in our culture, and this may not resonate with you, that's okay. But I would say based upon the statistics, it probably resonates with a lot of us. The two things right now that I see that are pulling us away from living in this way, one is social media, and the other is busyness. Okay, now, I am not saying, because some, some of these things are like outside of your control, right? There's a busyness in life that for some of you, like you have a boss that could call you up right now and you're like, I gotta get up and go, right? There's, there's busyness in some of us that, that, that's unavoidable. There's busier seasons, right? Um, when it comes to social media, it's not that all social media is bad. If you're waiting for that, just the social media is the devil sermon, that's, that's not... That's not the point of me bringing this up. What I'm bringing up is what I'm seeing from the statistics that we're getting and what it's revealing, right? It's revealing that for for everybody, not just like Jesus followers, social media is an incredible distractor and an incredible time thief, Man, I, I remember when I first got into ministry and I was talking to youth about their time on TV. Yeah, like that was the thing, right? So I'm talking about their time on TV and I remember like the hours and I would say it and I'd have this big talk on the time that they're wasting on TV. You guys, what we're seeing statistically speaking, with social media, is the sermons I was giving to those youth who are now married and have kids and everything else uh, about time and and how that is going to try and pull from what God's going to call you to do, social media statistics are double that. Like, it's double now. Like, we're no longer going, hey, that's two and a half hours. No, we're saying four. We're talking four, right? And, and, and so, and, and, and here's the thing, because uh, once again, and I always try to be clear on this, we always go, ah, it's that young generation. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah. Sometimes in a room you can just feel it. Get uncomfortable, right? Just embrace it. Right? You guys, man, some of you, multiple accounts, you're on there, you have no idea how much time you're giving yourself to that. You have no idea the opportunities for conversations with people, your kids. If there's one thing that's common with every parent who's got grown-up kids, every single time, Steve, it goes too fast. Have too fast. So what am I doing with this rare chance and opportunity with my kids? And I'm sitting there scrolling. What am I doing? Right? And guys, that, that could be my relationship with my spouse or all these things. And, 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 and it is a time trap, right? Like, like you're like, oh, a video, a video. And then all of a sudden, it's like someone comes up and just smacks you inside the head. And you're like, whoa, like, whoa, life has been happening. Like, how long was I on that? Oh, a couple hours. Oh my goodness, right? And you didn't even know. And maybe it wasn't even bad things. It was funny things. It was good things. Maybe it was like Christian things. So you felt good about it, right? And, and, and so that is a huge thing that I see that we got to consider and think about. The other thing is, busyness, activities, and here's how we look at those things. This is the trap we fall into. We call them opportunities, right? Now, it is remarkable the opportunities that are available now that were not available like when I was younger. I mean, in every way, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's insane. The things I learn every week about what's available and, and for my kids and all that, it, it blows me away. And, and, and I don't sit there and go, oh, no. That, that's so great that you have that opportunity. Don't do that. Or we're not going to give you that opportunity, right? Like, no, we want to like give them opportunities, right? We're, we're thinking about that. We're like, wow, this is amazing. This is remarkable. You get this opportunity, right? And, and for all of us, there are things available at your fingertips that were never available before. And, and the commitments though, it's remarkable, the commitments that are attached to everything that weren't attached to these things before. And what happens is we get so caught up in activity, 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 busyness, busyness, business. And, and once again, there are seasons, you guys, that, that are outside of our control. Okay. So I'm not like, I get it. Okay. I have busy seasons. I have a family. This is a very real thing. Okay. And, and it's not that just busyness is wrong because there are ways, even in the busyness where you can connect with your family. But here's the problem with what we're seeing. We're seeing statistically social media use and we're seeing activities, opportunities go like this. But what are we seeing? We're seeing mental health and we're seeing family connection just drop. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even like dropping. It's, it's a cliff right now. And we see that happening. And we're like, oh, let's just, we'll just keep going. No, we, we have to. And like I said, that may, neither one of those things may apply to you, but we need to consider and ask what does. Like what is pulling you from this mindset? What is distracting you from this urgency that we're called to live with? Because I'll tell you what, Man, these, these people, you look at it and you go, man, they, they lost that. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what this ultimately gets to. And this is the, the place where the, the sermon, as I was preparing it, it like started turning in this direction. I'm like, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. And then it was like, no, you're going there. 
And, and, and so this is where we're going to get into this section here. And, and the other thing that stood out when I looked at these people and missing out on, on Jesus, I look and I see that a major piece was their inability to spiritually endure. Okay, now, let me unpack this a little bit. See, the, the New Testament makes it clear that for a Jesus follower, developing spiritual endurance is essential. It's essential. And, and why is that essential? Why? why? Why is that important? Why is that a big thing? Why did they fail at this? Well, it, it tells us why. In Matthew 7, 14, uh, Jesus said, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Okay, so, so he tells us that. And then, and then we see in Acts 14, 22, now they're planting these churches, they're establishing leaders, and this is what they were telling these new leaders. This is what they're telling them as they're planting these churches. It says in Acts 14, 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. That's the conversation, right? So, so Jesus says, listen, it's gonna be very hard. It's going to be very hard to live for me. It's going to be very hard to live this way. And, 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 and he's telling these people, right? Like, like, listen, you already missed the boat once. You need to know that if you're going to follow me, it's going to be really hard. And then we see as churches are being established all throughout the known world, the common language is it's going to be through a lot of tribulations that you're going to go through this. That's why we read like in Hebrews 10, 36, it says, for you have need of endurance, it says, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Luke, Luke 21, 19 says, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. Isn't that incredible? See, you guys, endurance, when we look at it, it is one of the most loving gifts that we can receive from God, isn't it? But how, in, how is endurance gained? This is that point where I said, I don't want to go there, God. How is endurance gained? Pain. Pain. There's no way around it, is there? See, we attain increased stamina only by the discipline of forcing ourselves or other people forcing us to push beyond our current limits and persevere through an often agonizing experience of discomfort, right? Many of you have experienced and felt that. Some of you are in the midst of that right now. So then it's like, man, well, what, what is the package that we should expect God's loving gift of endurance to arrive in? Well, in Hebrews 12, 1, it talks about it's going to be one that seems painful rather than pleasant. And that's what's so tough, is when that discipline, when that, that actual, that, that gift we read, it causes us, man, crazy confusion. What's going on, God? Why? It's a disorienting experience for Christians. What, 
God, why? What is going on? Why is this happening? And, and, and it's the same way it was when we look at Hebrews uh, for, the, for those recipients of, of that, that epistle uh, in the book of Hebrews. This church there, they, they were suffering various forms of persecution and social alienation because of their faith in Jesus. They were continually being pressed by their own questions and, and the doubts that they were having and they were growing weary. They were, they were discouraged by trying to stand in the gap. And, and as the author of Hebrews is listening to what's going on, to what the people are expressing when, when they're just like, man, we're fatigued, we're done. What he wasn't hearing was endurance. See, that's not what he was hearing. What he was hearing was them drifting, drifting away from the gospel. He was hearing them lose their confidence in Christ and beginning to shrink back out of fear into unbelief to the point where they were starting to abandon Christianity as a whole and go back to Judaism. And, and, and so we're like, man, you need to give him some loving encouragement, author. And what he actually does is exhorts them. And what he does is he warns them of the danger they're in. And that's why he says, Hebrews 10, 36, when he says, for you have need of endurance. And then I love it because he then encourages them. Encourages them to faithfully endure just as these great saints of the past that they all knew, that they recognized just as they had done. And that's what Hebrews 11 is. It's what we call it the heroes of the faith. He, he literally goes through the list. Look at them. Look at how they endured through all of this faithfully. And then ultimately in Hebrews 12, he gives the greatest example, doesn't he? He points them back to Jesus. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He points them back. And then he reminded them in chapter 12, verses three through 11, that this is a painful package, but it's being delivered by a father who gives it to all of his kids because he loves them. See, even in this, this state of, of suffering, of, of pain with this emotional, physical mentally, um, these, these, these seasons of life that we can find ourselves in, some, they, they seem to be shorter, some seem to be never ending. But there is a perspective here that we can read and we can see that there is this long-term sanctifying purpose and plan that God has for me when I'm in that, when I'm going through it. And, and, it's, it's, and it's when I begin to understand that, that, that suffering, although I don't ask for it, that suffering is this endurance building discipline given by this loving father. That's when I can start to resonate with verses that I've never been able to resonate with before, right? Like, like Romans 5.3. Romans 5.3, if you don't know the context, you're like, why are you there? Romans 5.3, it says not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. 
here's that next part, right? With context now. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. See, for the nation of Israel, when things got tough and suffering took place, they didn't allow it to build endurance, did they? When you look back and you go, what was the big thing, right? They, they gave up, they turned away, they pursued false hopes, right? And you see this once again all throughout the Old, uh, the Old Testament. When, when suffering occurred, when things got too difficult, what, what, what were their requests, right, to God? Well, well, some of it was just like, I'm just gonna complain. It was better then than it is now. Uh, for some of it, it's like, hey, we need to build a physical God in front of us that we can touch, right? And so, so they literally build this golden uh, idol, right? Because that's what we really, really need. Oh, we actually need a king now. Like, God, you're great. I know you claim to be king, but we need one here. So, so bring us a king. We want a king. Look at the, look at the walls, God. Like, like we, can't, we can't beat them. God, look at these people and these warriors that we're facing. It's too much. We can't do it. Uh, our, our nation is small. We're, we, we, we can't pull off what you're at. And so every time we see this suffering, we see this pain that they're going through or just confusion in it, what do they do? They turn away. They compromise and they find other things to place their hope in. In as opposed to God is going to build spiritual endurance in our people through this. They missed it. So we're called to endure. We're called to endure as we wait. And we're called to endure with patience. In fact, James 5, 7 through 10, it uses the analogy of a farmer waiting patiently and, and how this farmer is able to trust in the work that he's done and he can be patient knowing that the harvest will take place. And, and what we see for us is as we endure, our patience in it is connected to our trust in God. And so just as that farmer has been faithful and, and he can't look underground, he still knows and trusts in what God has called him to do and he knows that that harvest will happen. Guys, do you think that Mary and Joseph had to patiently endure. I want you to think about this. I mean, man, by our terms, they were engaged. They're young. They don't have money, right? All the things we tell our kids not to get married for, right? All right there, boom. So they're all those things. Wrong part of town. And so, and so let's just throw in an unplanned pregnancy. That's going to make everything simpler, right? Boom, there we go. Tough. And, 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 and you know what's tough also in a setting like that, situation like that is, you know, the angel said, hey, you're going you're to have this baby. It wasn't like the next day she woke up and had the baby, right? There's nine months there. There's nine months of enduring, of enduring the whispers, the talks, the gossip, the accusations, all the embarrassment, all these things that, that they're walking through, right? I mean, Joseph was like, I'm out, <laughs> right? But God's like, no, you're not. And so maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. But man, they're enduring patiently. And then, and then, and then oh, it's got, it's got to get easier, God. It's got to get easier. No, you got to go to Bethlehem now. Like, you got to go travel. 
Yeah, she's about to have this baby, but you gotta go travel. So there they go on this journey to uh, Bethlehem. And then, and then it's like, okay, God, well, now we're gonna have this baby here. It's kind of an iconic town. Thanks, God. Here we go. Well, no, there's actually no room for you. Like, there's no spot. Well, where are we gonna do this at? Well, there's this little barn, cave. And there they are. Patiently enduring. Who's there to celebrate with them, huh? Who's there? <laughs> Nobody. We, we get more people at these live nativity scenes than we're at the actual nativity, right? People aren't there, and the only people that end up showing up are, 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 are like angels, or not angels, but these shepherds that have this supernatural experience, and they're told to go. And so there they are. They have this, this, this baby, and, 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 and then on top of that, it's like, okay, the Savior's here, and then, no, you got to flee. You have to flee because Herod, this king, has said he's going to murder anybody under the age of two, any male. And so you, you got to get out of there. And so here they are. They're fleeing. Now they're refugees in Egypt. And that's their story? Right? Are you kidding? As they wake up every day in a foreign land without their family, without their friends, and just patiently trusting in the promises of God. And then all throughout Jesus' life, because he doesn't really announce himself till when? Till he's 30. He was patiently enduring. Jesus patiently endured. Do you think Jesus liked wearing our flesh? No. You don't even like your flesh. He hated it, right? He didn't enjoy that. And, and, and the only joy was what? The joy that was set before him. The cross is why he endured. And so he endured. And so we are called to endure. May not be the message we want, but it's the Advent message I know that I need. You guys, he's coming back. Do we grasp the significance of that? Are you a Jesus follower? Have you made a decision to receive him as your Lord and Savior? Are you reminding yourself daily that he's returning? Are you watchful? Is there urgency to how you're living your life now? And lastly, when the challenges come, will you allow God to build spiritual endurance in your life?